you. Power of God will help you get through that thing and get to the place that you're supposed to be. Glory to God. Well, I'm Pastor Carol. Usually I'm doing youth ministry, which we start back next week, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, Pastor Stan is not here, so I have the word that we'll be going over today. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. We'll pray over our service and message time, and, and then you can be seated. Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you. It is the day that you've made. So we'll continue to rejoice and be glad in it. We pray, Lord God, that you would continue to teach us, lead us, and guide us today. Pray that you will speak through me everything that you have for us here, and that even after we leave this place, the Holy Spirit will remind us of the word that you taught us, and that you will continue to expound on your word. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint us with eyes to see and ears to hear, that we won't miss any bit of the word that you have for us. We thank you for making us victorious and giving us the opportunity to stand on your word and grow today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five or a air five before you're seated. Glory to God. So it's my opportunity to deliver the word today, and I hope you brought your page-turning finger. If you turn pages still, if not, your screen-tapping finger, because we got a bunch of scriptures to look at, but we're just going to look at them briefly. And so, like I told you before, I only get one Sunday at a time, so I got to give you everything I got at that one time. So... This is like a message that we're going to cram into one message. But if we do it right, we can expound on this thing for a year. And I'm going to tell you about how we can do that in a second. We're going to talk a little bit about discipline and disciplines. So before we get into the word on disciplines, thought, heart, or idea behind a discipline is a discipline is a way of doing something. There are a couple of different ways you can identify it, but there are disciplines and they are ways of doing things. There's also just discipline or being disciplined, and that is to do whatever it is that you said you were going to do. And to discipline ourselves means that we will we'll set a goal, we'll set some things uh, in front of us that we want to do, want to accomplish, and we stick to that. We don't uh, veer off to the right or to the left. We stay disciplined, we stay on course, and when different things come up, we either get through them or maneuver around them, but we do what we said we were going to do or what we set out to do. So the first idea of discipline, where there are disciplines, just uh, disciplines of things, you can consider fighting has several different disciplines. So if you want to be a good fighter or self-defender or whatever you want to call it, there are lots of different ways that you can become a good fighter. You could be a boxer. That's one discipline of fighting. You could do MMA, which is mixed martial arts, and they brought that together to bring in different disciplines or styles of fighting. So Krav Maga is one discipline of fighting, and then there's like jiu-jitsu and karate and kung fu and all these other things. Those are all disciplines of fighting. And then you pick one, and you get good at it. And you might be fighting someone that's doing the drunken monkey, and you might just be doing uh, hood-style karate or just, you know, hood-style beatdowns. Whoever is the best at their discipline, you know, can win that fight. 
It's not just given to whoever is bigger, stronger, or faster. That does have, you know, it plays a part in it, but it's not just that. So there are disciplines of doing things. Um, So as we look at the Word of God and we consider Christianity, and I would assume that most of us are Christians. If you're not a Christian yet, you can take care of that at the end of service. Christianity is like a discipline of religion. It's, it's one type of religion. There are lots and lots of types of religions. Of course, according to what the Bible says, all the other religions are false and that there's only one God and there's only one way to God. But religion is not one thing. So there are disciplines inside religion. Uh, so when we look at Christianity and we look at what Jesus did for us, kind of like the nation that we live in, Jesus died for us to have freedom. He died for us to have a choice. He died. He did not go to the cross to make us become Christians. He gave. He went to the cross to give us a choice to be Christian or not, to accept salvation or not. And so, just like in our country, we we are protected so much so that we can burn our own flag. We can like free speech is is protecting speech that you really don't want to hear. Like, we don't need protection for nice speech. We really need protection for what some think is not nice speech. And so if we get to the point where we say, well, you can't say that, that, then that goes against the whole principle of freedom and free speech. And so we can be Americans, but we can become very undisciplined. So we can have freedom, but we can give up our freedom. I forget who said it. I'm going to really mess it up because I wasn't even thinking about it today. But somebody a long time ago said that the people that would trade their freedom for security deserve neither. So there are times where we can become lax with our freedom and we'll give freedom away because someone says they'll make us more secure or more safe. And so the idea is if you're willing to give up your freedom... Just to be safe, you don't deserve freedom and you don't deserve safety. But we can be in a free land not enjoying our freedoms, allowing people to encroach on our freedom by not being disciplined. So in Christianity, we have a big issue that we can really just do whatever we want. You don't have to go to church every week. So the average Christian goes to church once a month. In the average church, like the Bible teaches us to tithe. The Bible teaches us that 10% of our income is God's flat out, no question about it. But he doesn't say if you don't tithe, you're going to hell. You can be a non-tithing somebody and go straight to heaven when you leave this earth. So we have the freedom not to tithe, but we're supposed to tithe, even though that's what the Bible tells us to do. So Paul says that we're not supposed to use our freedom as a liberty to the flesh. We're not supposed to use our freedom, the fact that we don't have to do something. We're not supposed to use that as an excuse to be lazy. So what I want to talk about are 12 spiritual disciplines. 12 spiritual disciplines. The reason I say it could last all year, because we could focus on one spiritual discipline once a month, and that will last us for the rest of the year. Now, these are disciplines that are things that are within Christianity that if we do them, they'll make us stronger Christians. They'll make us have a better relationship with the Lord. 
and they'll give us the opportunity to be more effective at the Christian life that we're trying to live. So we're trying to live, you know, a certain life and we, we believe certain things are supposed to happen in that life. But a lot of times things don't happen in Christians' lives the way the Bible says they're supposed to. Because that Christian has not been disciplined enough to get themselves in the right position that they're supposed to be in. And that could be a very difficult thing to accept or a very difficult thing to understand. But the Bible has all these great and precious promises. The Bible says that in Christ, all his promises are yea and amen. There are no no's to the Christians when it comes to the promises of God. But why aren't we all living the way the Bible says we're supposed to be living? The Bible says that we're not supposed to be dealing with sickness and disease. The Bible says that we're supposed to be uh, wealthy and taken care of and that all of our needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible says several things, but we can look at some Christians, maybe even ourselves, and say, well, I see this stuff in the Bible, but I don't see it in me. I don't see it in my life. Well, sometimes, a lot of times, it's because we're not doing what's necessary to be in that position. Now, the Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm not here to condemn you. I hope you don't try to condemn me. You can't because I don't care what you think. So you don't need to care what I think. But then we're just going to look at 12 disciplines quickly that are things that we as believers need to do consistently. These are underlying things that we need to do. We don't need to just show up to church every now and then. We don't need to throw a little bit of money in the offering every now and then. There are things that we should be doing consistently. And if you look at some religions and some religious people, they have certain things that they have to do. Like they have to be committed to praying a certain amount of times in a certain way. Or they have to be committed to wearing a certain thing. Or they have to be committed to doing this at this time of the year. And they have to. And God loves us so much, he says, you don't have to do anything. But if you want this, you need to do this. And so these disciplines will help us get to where some of us have been trying to get to. The first discipline is Bible study. So we're looking at 12. Number one is Bible study. We don't have a whole bunch of time, so I get like 52 seconds on each discipline. Not really, but it's going to be quick. The first discipline that every believer should have is Bible study. Now, not only does the minister or pastor need to study the Bible, we the people need to study the Bible. It's important for we the people to not take the word of preachers and teachers as the word of God. We're supposed to hear what they say, be encouraged by what they say, but we're supposed to find out if it's what he said before we accept it and believe it. If we don't know what this says, then we don't really know if they're telling us the truth. That's why we had this time called the Dark Ages in history, where the church had the Bible written in Latin, where the Bible was not originally written in Latin. It was written not in English, and so a lot of people would have had you know, difficulty then. But they had it written in Latin so that the common person could not read the Scripture. And then the people that were in charge of the church started lying, cheating, stealing, and all types of things happened in our culture and just in the world universal. They were dark ages because the word was hidden. And Martin Luther's Reformation was such a big deal because most people didn't know what the word was saying. And the people who were in charge of the word said the word said what it did not say. 
So people were believing that God said and wanted things that he said in his word that he didn't want. So if we the people don't study the word, then we don't know what's true. We don't know what God wants us to do. We don't know if, if someone is exhorting us with God's word or if they're just giving us their opinion or if they're trying to manipulate us for their own use. The Bible in 2 Timothy, you can write it down, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if we're going to be God's people, if we're going to grow in the things of God, we have to study His Word. Studying His Word is not reading His Word, right? And I don't have time for this. Y'all know what study means, right? Studying is not reading. Studying is like your teacher tells you something in class and, and you need to know it for this test and you have to go study and you're like in there and you're reading and you're memorizing and you're, well, two plus two and then, so how do I, that's studying. We have to study God's word. Also in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto God. When you get certain, if you want to go into certain fields like medicine or different things like that, you have to go beyond regular college and study to show yourself approved. And then you have to go through almost an apprenticeship where you're working at a hospital and and doing study for a long time so that you can prove that you should be able to mess with people's bodies. We'll take the word of the doctor a lot of times over the word of the word. We'll go to the doctor and the doctor will say, you're going to die. And we'll say, I'm going to die. <laughs> what? The Bible didn't say that. And then we try and go backwards. Well, Lord, you know, if you could do something. Well, the Bible says he could do it. And we're wasting all this time with this stuff in our bodies trying to kill us. And we're hemming and hawing and going back and forth. And well, you know, that doctor, I mean, he's a good doctor. He knows. Well, he knows what he knows, but if he don't know this, then it don't really matter what he knows, in my opinion. But that's my opinion. You've got to find what God's Word says. You can also write down Psalm 119, stanza 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. If we're meditating his Word day and night, then we're getting that study in. All right, number two. Discipline number two, something that we should be doing regularly. Now you can figure out, when you, when you focus on one of these things for a month, you can figure out what frequency you need to do each discipline. You might need to do it once a month. You might need to do it twice a year. You might need to do it daily. That's for you to be led by God to decide. I'm not here to tell you what you need to do when and how. I'm just giving some things that you should do. Also, there's no, there's, you can't look up spiritual disciplines. Like there's no, the spiritual disciplines are. It's not in there. We just, I'm, I'm getting these things from God's word, seeing things that believers have done and things that God is telling us to do. So again, look at the word. You can make your own decision. All right. Second discipline is prayer. Prayer. So we can look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
When we have needs, we're supposed to go to the Father. How do we go to the Father? We go to Him in prayer. There are a lot of Christians that don't pray. There are other Christians whose prayer is limited to mealtime. Because that's when they pray for their food. That's probably the most common prayer that we pray. But for too many of us, or for too, too much of our lives, that might be the dominant prayer that we pray throughout a week. If we look back in our uh, calendar and we added up all of our prayer minutes, we might have 17 minutes of prayer last week. And what we find out is that 14 and a half minutes were on prayer. And three of those minutes is because we were waiting for somebody to, to they stop, the, the waiter came like in the middle of the prayer, but we didn't want to pray in, the, in front of the waiter. So we put God on pause and we let the waiter finish putting the drinks down, drinks down and we said, Amen. So we weren't even praying the whole 17 minutes. But prayer is something that we should be involved with consistently. Let's look at Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, we'll just look at a quick verse over there. Verse number 36. This gives us an indication of frequency. Luke 21, 36 says, Watch ye therefore, this is Jesus speaking, if you've got a red letter edition, Watch ye therefore and pray always. I don't even have to read the rest of it. Pray always. We're supposed to consistently be involved in prayer. Prayer is a private communication that we have between us and the Lord for the most part. But we're supposed to consistently be spending time in prayer. We can't grow in relationship with a person that we don't talk to. I don't know if you tried that before. And I, you, you can't continue in a relationship with someone that you don't talk to. Y'all might have had a really great relationship five years ago. But if you quit talking, that relationship will dwindle. I heard about somebody not too long ago got divorced. And they had been married for like 40 or 50 years. And I'm like, what in the world? 40 or 50 years is a long time. I couldn't imagine. I think I would give up after that. The idea of divorce, but... It happens, and I know one reason it can happen is just no communication. So we're supposed to be growing in relationship with the Lord. Like, we actually get to talk to the creator of the universe. We shouldn't count that lightly. Nobody else gets to do that. That's a Christian thing. We get to, do, we get to talk to God Almighty whenever. And a lot of times we're like, eh, yeah, I could talk to the one that created the stars and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I can talk to the one that knows everything about this problem and situation that I'm dealing with, but I just got to figure this out. I don't have time for that right now. That's crazy. Let's go to number three. Third spiritual discipline that we should all be doing is fasting. Now, we, we should be doing fasting to grow in our spirit, not fasting only to shrink in our flesh. There is fasting and there's fasting. What we definitely need to be doing is fasting for our spiritual growth. So when we fast, that means we are abstaining from food for a particular time. And then we're also supposed to spend more time on prayer or reading the Bible, spiritual focus in our fasting. Now, your spiritual fasting may have physical benefits. And that's cool. But we don't want to do physical fasting and call it spiritual, right? So if you're just fasting because you want to drop a couple pounds, bless you, but that's not what I'm talking about. We're supposed to be fasting to fast. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. 
This is kind of interesting when you look at it and when you think about yourself. You know, we, we have the, the term hangry now. And we know that means like you get angry because of hunger. But check out what it says in Philippians chapter 3. Look at verses 18 and 19. It says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now that is unbelievers, but that should be unbelievers. Our belly should not be our God. Our belly should not determine how long we pray. Our belly should not determine if we're going to go to church or not because we need to work, because we like this lifestyle. And I have to go to work so I can keep buying this food because I want to eat out all the time. We can be led by our belly. Hunger is one of the strongest feelings we can have. And I've heard, I don't know if it's a fact, but I've heard thirst is like the strongest desire we could have. We have to put that in check through fasting. When we control ourselves and say, I'm not going to eat, I am going to pray. And we get our flesh under control. That's one of the ways we get our flesh under control. So if you have problems with your flesh and doing stuff that you should not be doing, try fasting. That will help increase your self-control. Fasting will help increase your self-control because you are, I mean, you're, you're constantly telling yourself no. You watch TV, they put the food on the TV, food always looks better on TV than it looks on a plate, right? They be tricking you. They, they don't fill the fries up that much. Now, if you notice a Burger King or a, a, a McDonald's commercial, they don't even put the fries in the container in the commercial no more. They just put some fries on there because too many of y'all went there and said, y'all need to fill up this container. This container is not full. I pay for the full container. That's what I've done, if you haven't. But they don't even put that on there. But we're not supposed to be led around by our belly. Our belly should not tell us when we're going to get snippy with people. Our belly shouldn't determine when we're going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude. And the only way we can grow into that is to practice being hungry. You know? That's just what it is. Matthew chapter 17, real quick look at verse number 21. It's another important reason we need to fast. You can go and read up, and this is a spiritual principle. The disciples weren't able to cast out a spirit. And they were like, well, Jesus, you know, you did it right away, and you said we could do what you do, and you told us we cast out demons. We cast out demons before. How could we couldn't cast them out? The answer is in verse 21, how be it this kind goeth out? Not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now we can talk about this for a long time because he wasn't just talking about the demons go out by fasting. Demons don't get cast out by fasting. They were dealing with unbelief. And they had unbelief on the inside because of the unbelief they couldn't cast out the devils. And so Jesus said you have to get rid of the unbelief, but there's some unbelief that you can only get rid of through prayer and fasting. Spiritual disciplines that we need to be active in. So you can call the, the pastor to do some stuff in your life, but God wants you to also be equipped your own self to do some things in your life. You can call the police when somebody breaks in, 
only, and you can also take steps to protect yourself and call the police. But you need to be able to do something between the now and the time the police show up, other than, shh, right? There's more that you can do than, than hide. Not saying what you should do, but you can do some other things to help yourself in that type of situation. So we can put ourselves in position that we can do more things spiritually by fasting and prayer. Because we can fast and get the unbelief out because we're denying ourselves food and we're spending more time in the word or we're spending time in prayer. So we're becoming spiritually stronger. So fasting is like a spiritual workout. When we want to increase our endurance, we might go running or doing whatever other things that we need to do. If you want to increase your spiritual endurance, don't eat. And the more we don't eat, the more spiritual endurance we're building up at the same time. Spiritual discipline number four is confession. There are two types of confession. The first one is the confession that you're thinking of. Now, we're not Catholic. We don't have a booth where you go in and you have to confess your sins. I believe according to the word of God that confession can be something that you do involving another person. But we believe we can also confess privately according to the word of God. In Proverbs 28 verse 13. Proverbs 28 13 says, He that cover up his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them, which means we have to repent, which means we turn away. So we confess, we repent. You know, forgive me, Lord. And, you know, we attempt, we turn away. We're not doing that. It says, them shall have mercy. Forsake of them shall have mercy. So we are supposed to confess. Whether you confess to an accountability partner, whether you confess to your spouse, whether you confess to your, your pastor or a pastor at your church, or if you just confess it to the Lord. He knows, but he still wants us to say it because if we're covering it up, then we're trying to hide something from him. And as long as we're hiding something from him, he can't help us the way that he wants to. We have to go to him with open hands. But if we got one behind our back, he's going to wait to find out what's going on behind our back. So we want, he wants us to confess. You can also look in Mark chapter 11, verses 25, 26. I don't want to read it. But one of the good things that happens with confession is that we have to examine ourselves. We have to examine and see what, what kind of heart motive did I have when I did not give that poor person money? Did I not give that poor person money because I want to be stingy and I don't like them and I don't know why and, and, and uh? Or did I not give it to them because I believe they're in a situation and place where that's not going to help them and I don't want to help hurt them? So our heart motive and whatever it is that we can do, whatever it is we're doing, we can examine that. And so when we're dealing with confession, we have to look at what we're doing. And not only what we're doing, but why we're doing that. And when we come up, when we find out that we're short or there are things that shouldn't be there, we need to confess it to the Lord. If you have an accountability partner, that's an extra step that you can take if you want. It's great. But you don't have to. You can also write down James chapter 5 verse 16. James 5.16, and that says, Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that he may be healed. So that's just a plug. If you have a, an accountability partner, if you can talk to your spouse and, and you just want to be able to get it off your chest and talk to a person, there's room for that. 
Again, it's not mandatory, but it's good. The other confession is our faith confession. I didn't give you all the scripture. The Lord gave it to me later. So that's between him and y'all. So then I got to have it on the screen. But in Hebrews chapter 10, we can look at verse 23. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 23. Another confession is our faith confession. This is a discipline that we need to have, which means we confess or say what we believe God's word and how that's going to affect our lives. I am healed in the name of Jesus. That's a confession that we need to make. Now, you can only make that confession when you feel symptoms. You might only make that confession when the doctor gives you an evil report. Or you might confess it every single day, like we would take a vitamin. Or like we would confess other scriptures. All of my needs are met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So there are words and scriptures and verses that we're supposed to say and confess so that God has that opportunity to make sure those things are happening that way in our lives. So Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to our profession, the profession of our faith, without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. We're supposed to hold fast to our profession or our confession of our faith without wavering. So there's two types of confession there. All right, spiritual discipline number five is worship. We have to worship. We should be involved in worship. Don't be the Christian that comes in and, and, and endures a worship service as if they're standing in line waiting for something. Because then you're not doing the part of the, the relationship with the Lord that you are supposed to do. Worship is, is all throughout the scripture. We see um, Jesus being worshipped after he was uh, resurrected. Jesus was worshipped a little before he was um, killed and crucified at the cross. The Bible tells us that God is a spirit. If we're going to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And there's just plenty of example of worship in the Bible. We can look at, I want you to write down 1 Chronicles 16.29. tells us we're supposed to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, the beauty of his holiness. Uh, we can also look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. And that shows that Jesus is the object of our worship. And I already referenced John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. We're supposed to worship. Worshiping is not macho. Worshiping, until you get your mind right, is not even like musically entertaining. Like worship music is not music you play because you're in a feel-good mood. Like worship doesn't really hit your road trip soundtrack. Unless you are, you know, you just saved and you like to spend time worshiping the Lord. Worship music is its own thing. And we have to get our minds right that it should be our thing and that we are to worship the Lord as a discipline, something then that we practice. Number six, fellowship. Oh, fellowship. Acts chapter two, verse 42. This is early in the church's history. It says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Everybody say, and fellowship. and fellowship. Now, the reason I want you to say and fellowship is because it said they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's like going to church. A lot of us go to church, but few of us fellowship with the body of Christ 
or few of us fellowship with the body of Christ that we go to church with. A lot of us might fellowship with neighbors. We might fellowship with the people that we work with. We might fellowship with people that we know from way back in the day. They may or may not be Christian. That's fine. You should have, you know, it's fine to have Christian friends and stuff like that. But we should fellowship with those people that are like-minded. One of the reasons, if you fellowship with people that are not like-minded, they're going to drag you over to where they are. Or you're going to have this constant battle. That's like the, 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 the married chick that has the single friends. And the married chick that talks to her single friends about the negative stuff that she don't like that her husband did. You know, he didn't do this. He don't do that. Girl, you know what you should do? Nothing that she says is what she should do. Because she ain't got no man. So she don't know what she's talking about. Unless she's giving you scripture from God's word. It don't matter what she say. Right? Same thing can happen with guys. It's just easy to pick on the ladies there. But we need to fellowship with people of like mind so we can encourage them and they can encourage us. Man, this messed up thing happened. You know, you can be down about something. And man, your, your fellowshipping with a believer will just blow you up like a balloon. I am so thankful for my wife because there are some times that I can get down about some stuff. And she'll, you know, speak the word to me and I get a chance to speak the word to her. And if we don't have that in our lives, man, we can get in a rut so fast and it can be so hard to get out of that rut just because we don't have anybody to lift us up out of it. Fellowshipping is part of the benefit of being saved. The fact that we can fellowship with believers. So we're supposed to fellowship. You can also look at Hebrews chapter 10, 25. It says that we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So Avengers unite. We got to get together. Spiritual discipline number seven is rest. Everybody say rest. Now, I know the church can be okay with the spiritual discipline of rest, right? I don't have to convince you of that. But resting is something that God built in from the time that he did creation. God didn't need to rest. I mean, technically, God has rested since day six. Right? If we just look in terms of creation, he did creation and then he, he saw it was good and then he stopped. For the most part, he's been resting per se, since then. But he put in the seventh day of rest for our example. So we're supposed to have rest, which means we're not supposed to be running ragged, working five days a week, and then getting our kids filled with sports on Saturday and Sunday and just boom, 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 burning the candle on both ends. We're supposed to have rest. And so we have to get that into our schedule, get it into our lives. You can also look in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Yes, that's in the Old Testament, but it was written for us to still be doing today. Another spiritual discipline, we'll look at real quick, number eight, is tithing. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now remember, we talked about Malachi the last time I was up a couple weeks ago, and this was right before Jesus closed the book and said, I don't have nothing to say to y'all until Jesus gets here. And we said that page in between the Old Testament and New Testament represented 400 years. This was one of the important things that he said before he shut up was for us to tithe. Hebrews 7, 14, or no, Hebrews 7, 1 through 4, shows us that tithing existed before the law. So tithing is not just a part of the law. We're supposed to tithe. That's giving a tenth of your income. 
for time's sake, we're going to keep it moving. Number nine. Number nine is service. Spiritual discipline number nine is service or serving. We, the people, are supposed to serve. If you don't want to serve and you want everybody in the church to get paid, which is great, amen, then you definitely need to tithe. Because people can't get paid if we're not bringing the tithe into the storehouse. But beyond that, we're supposed to serve. God has given us gifts. He wants us to use our gifts, not just in the private sector corporate world where we can uh, be a blessing. We're not being a blessing in the private world. We're getting paid. He wants us to, to be of service in his kingdom, in, his, in our community of church. So we should be serving at church. We should also be serving outside of church. He wants us to serve. In Galatians chapter 5, let's jump down there. Galatians chapter 5, 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, but don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now it's going to be hard to serve one another if we don't even fellowship or see one another, but we have plenty of opportunities through church to be serving. He also told us in Matthew chapter 20, toward the end of Matthew, Matthew 20, 28, we saw that Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be ministered to. Minister is a word for serve or servant. Came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He came to serve and to, and to give his life a ransom for many. So he didn't only come to give his life, he also came to serve up until the time that he was to give his life. Can you tell him I'll call him right back? I was playing. All right, number 10 is generosity. Discipline number 10 is just being generous. Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 that it's more blessed to give than to receive. But God wants us to be generous because he is generous. And when we're being generous, then we are reflecting the person of God. And so we can be generous. That talk that gets into after tithing and into giving an offering, if we're talking about a church setting. But he also wants us to be generous out and about. So my wife is like a generous tipper. If I ever become a waiter, I want to wait on her table. Because she'd be tipping. Like, I just, I give her the thing, like I'll sign it and then I'll give it to her. And then I don't look at it again. Sometimes I'll peek. I'll peek. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, what are you, why? Why would we give them that much money? But bless God, she is generous, and we got it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we can also look, Luke 6, 38, Matthew 25, 40. We're supposed to be generous. All right, for these last two, try not to go over time, but I'm over time. So I'm going to give you the last two, and I'm going to give you the scriptures. Remember, we got a whole year. Focus on one of these things a month. You will grow so much spiritually this year. Like, look, money-back guarantee. And like asterisks, nobody paid me for this. But money-back guarantee, I will multiply what you gave me to teach today times 100. If this doesn't come to pass. You will grow so much in this next year practicing these spiritual disciplines and doing whatever you already do, but practicing these spiritual disciplines. You'll grow more in this next year than you probably have grown in the last five years. All right? 
money back guarantee times 100. Talk to me at the end of the year. (laughs) Spiritual discipline number 11 is Bible memorization. We need to remember what the Bible say. If we don't remember what the Bible say, we might get stuck. There are responses that they taught us. There was fight or flight. And then some other stuff happened. Now we know there's fight, flight, or freeze. If we don't remember what the Bible say, remember what the Bible say, we can constantly go into freeze mode. Right? Because Satan isn't going to do something when you got your Bible open. Right? He's not going to worry you about finances for the most part when you're looking at a financial scripture. Because you'd be like, boom, confess the word. What he's going to do is wait till you're out somewhere and you don't have your Bible in front of you. You don't have your Bible app open. And he's going to hit you with a, a symptom. Or he's going to hit you with an unexpected bill. Or he's going to hit you with some bad news. And wait to see what you say. He's waiting to see what you say because based on what you say determines how he gets to operate. He's like waiting to listen to what you say because the next words that come out of your mouth determine if he's about to wreak havoc in your life or if he has to go away. Just like when Jesus went up on the mountain. So when he, when he throws something at us, we might freeze and be like, now freezing is okay. What you don't want to do is say the wrong thing. You can step back and say, like the Snickers commercial, you need to think about it. You throw the Snickers in your mouth and start chewing for a minute so you can come up with something. When you have the, the verses of the Bible memorized, some of them, you don't have to memorize the whole Bible, but when you have some of those verses memorized, when he hits you with something, you can think for a minute and then you can speak the word. The Bible says if we resist him in the word, he'll flee. We can't just resist him and say stop. We can't just resist him and say leave me alone. Those aren't spiritually significant words. Spiritually significant words are from here. And so we might freeze up for a moment. That's okay. As long as the word of God is the next thing to come out of our mouths, we can resist him with that word and then he has to flee. So we need to commit God's word to memory. Just like when we used to record that song and we used to put the the tape over the tape and we put the tape in in the deck And then you hit the two buttons to record, and then you wanted to rewind that sucker in place so you could learn the words of the song, like back in the day, day. You know, and you rewind it, and you play it, and you rewind it, and you play it. So the next time the radio, the song came on the radio, when you was with your friends, you can impress them because you know all the words. They're like, oh my gosh, how do you know all the words? Well, we got to memorize the scripture. So we can look at that in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 7, 1 through 3, and Joshua 1, 8. Joshua telling us that we're supposed to have this book of the law in our mouths and meditate there day and night. Twelve is disciple making. We're supposed to make disciples. That was part of the great commission that Jesus gave before he left in Matthew 28:19. He said, go make disciples. It's not just the pastor's job to make disciples. It's the people's job to make disciples. The reason the disciples were disciples is because they were making disciples. God, Jesus, gave the disciples the job of making disciples. And when you become a disciple, you get the job of making a disciple. And when you make a disciple, that disciple becomes a disciple, so they begin to make a disciple. So we're all supposed to be making disciples. Think back when the last time was that you led somebody to the Lord. This is rhetorical. You don't have to answer it. God knows. 
And it's okay. No condemnation. When was the last time you led somebody to the Lord? All right. Think back past that. When was the last time you told somebody you could lead them to the Lord or, or, you know, ask them if they wanted to accept Jesus or past that? When was the last time you just told somebody about Jesus? No condemnation, but we're supposed to be making disciples. And there are plenty of scriptures about it. But he says in his word in Matthew 28, for time's sake, that we should be making disciples. We should be leading other people to Jesus Christ. Because that's what God put us here for. He put us here for us, but then he put us here for the lives of others. And so many of these things, when we do these things, they're going to enhance our personal lives. But they will much more enhance the lives of the people that are around you. The people that you love and that love you. And so this is self-care that we would call it today, that will also end up in you caring for all those people that are around you. So these are 12 disciplines. I hope you write them down. There is so many more scriptures that we could talk about for each one of them, but again, we don't have time. But if you just spend time, ask the Lord to, to show you more about these things. Ask the Lord to help you grow in these things. And start today, because it's already the ninth. so we're nine days late. But February is only 28 days, so you can't take days out of February. But you can work it somewhere in your schedule to where you can focus on one of these per month. And I promise you, with a money-back guarantee times 100, that your spiritual growth will be off the chart for the next year. There are other disciplines, like I said. There are other things that we could do. uh, But that's just a list of 12. I wanted to use 12 in honor of Tom Brady, who wears the number 12 greatest quarterback I'm just playing. It has nothing to do with Tom Brady. It just so happens that he wears number 12. Let me just bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Don't be offended because I said Tom Brady if you don't like Tom Brady. All right. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to hear your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us and that you continue to lead us and guide us and give us what we need when we need it. So we pray again, Lord, that you will show us what we need to see. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us the victory and and showing us how to be stronger and stronger each and every day. We thank you for blessing us and blessing us with your word in Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed and, and eyes closed, I just want to give a quick invitation to those who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So while your heads are, are bowed here, uh, maybe you're here, maybe you're online. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to do it. In fact, right now is the best time to do it, as you've heard God's word. These disciplines don't mean anything for the non-believer They only mean something to the believer or once we're in Jesus Christ. So if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you want to, you want to officially accept him as your Lord and Savior, officially become a Christian, then now is your time. You don't have to get a bunch of stuff in order. You don't have to start living a great life before you're a Christian. You don't have to stop stop sinning or doing the things that you think are bad. You don't have to stop those things before you get saved. God will help you with that after the fact. The most important thing is accepting his gift of salvation. I want to help you with that right now. So if you're here and you want to take this opportunity, just lift up your hand so I can see it, know who we're praying for and with. And then if you're online.